Well, good morning, Resurrection Presbyterian Church and anyone else who may be joining in online. I'm Jared Bryant, the pastor of Resurrection. And if you're new to joining us, we've started a new series of messages called Encounters with Jesus. And what we're, we're doing in these weeks is looking at a few passages from the Gospel of Mark and, and asking this question, uh, what happens when people come face to face with Jesus? Uh, when ordinary and messy people like us encounter this Son of God, what happens? How does Jesus enter in and engage, and how do the people respond to him? And then what does it all mean for us? And what I hope is becoming clear is a pattern, a pattern that we are, are seeing again and again, and it begins with humanity in some kind of trouble, in a place of great need. And it is a need that they cannot fix on their own. So left to their own resources, there is no hope in each of these encounters. And then uh, we have Jesus, who instead of moving away from the need, he, he moves right into the middle of it. And the places of need that we're seeing tend to be people with problems that make them rejected and left behind by the world around them. So Jesus enters in not just with sympathy and compassion, but what we're seeing is with authority and power to rescue broken humanity from this place of desperation. And then the final part of this pattern is uh, that Jesus' work to help humanity comes at some cost to him. Uh, every encounter, he seems to come off worse. There, There is a price he continues to pay for helping us. And we're going to see this pattern again in our passage this morning. And so here's the setting. So Jesus is back in the hometown of Peter and Andrew and James and John, really where he began his ministry. And he's come from being pushed out of another city and forced to, to live in, in the wilderness, what, what Mark calls desolate places. And, and word about him is continuing to spread. News about his teaching, about his power. There is this buzz around Jesus. Uh, and so here we find him in a small house that is packed and overflowing out the door. There, there's no social distancing going on here. People, people are clamoring and pushing to get as close as they can to Jesus. And this says something about Jesus. Think about uh, celebrities that we see today. You, you, they live in mansions. They're surrounded by uh, gates and security cameras and travel with guards and maintain uh, really a safe distance from the rest of humanity. And, and there's this... this message of, of they're not accessible. But Jesus, on the other hand, as his popularity grows, he, he continues to go out of his way to be accessible, to be among the people, to be near them, to share uh, his life with them, even the lowest and most needy among them. And as Jesus is doing just that here in this small house in Capernaum, something strange happens. He, he is teaching, the crowds are pressing in, and then the roof over his head starts to break open. Now, it's a, it's a flat roof, and people are regularly on top to escape the heat, but what's happening is not just people walking around on the roof. A, a hole is being forcefully dug out, and it starts off small at first, but it continues to, to grow until you can fit uh, a man lying in a bed 
which you've got to think is a big hole in this very small house. And when Jesus and the others look up, what they see is completely unexpected. You, You see four men slowly lowering another man down who is lying on a bed. And once again, we, we don't know anything about this man except his need. Uh, all we know is that he is what is called a paralytic. And what that means is that he is paralyzed in some way and can't walk. Uh, some of you will remember about five years ago when UGA was playing Southern University and there was a collision between uh, our kicker and one of their players, uh, Devin Gales. And, and, and Devon, he suffered an injury in his C6 vertebrae, and that left him paralyzed from the waist down. So, so being able to uh, walk is something all of us take for granted. And when it's taken away, you begin to realize just how much the quality of life depends on being able to use your legs. Now, Devon's still unable to walk, but he's had a lot of help along the way. Uh, from the state-of-the-art treatment he received at the Shepherd Center in Atlanta to the financial support from some connected with the University of Georgia and the athletic department, uh, to the gift of a new house uh, really given by dozens of contractors and donors built specifically for he and his family. And now he's actually an assistant coach in Jefferson, and he, his life is an inspiration to many. Now, he, he's, he's had a tremendous amount of help along the way, And his life has still been incredibly difficult over these past five years. Uh, He suffered and persevered in in so many ways that uh, we have not. Uh, Being paralyzed is always an extreme hardship. Uh, But being paralyzed in the first century in a poor town in the middle of nowhere was especially hard. Uh, Very limited medical care most times nothing at all. No government assistance, and sometimes the government actually works against you. The Romans, they don't care what happens to a sick Jewish person. They just want their taxes. There's limited job opportunities, farming and manual labor. Those are the things that you needed to be able to do uh, to earn a living. Uh, And the one thing this man seems to have going for him is that he just has four others. Uh, Friends, families, we don't know, but for others who care enough to try to help him get close to Jesus. And and so here's a man in in a desperate place, unable to fix his own problem, and he has these four friends or family or acquaintances who are committed to getting him close to Jesus. And, And they care enough not to just show up and see the crowds and see that there's no way that they can get close. They look at the crowds and they say, we've got to find a way to get him in. And they find a way to get him up on the roof. And then they care enough about him to bust open a hole and to drop him down right in front of Jesus. Uh, They care more about this man getting close to Jesus than they do about them looking foolish and causing damage and even getting in trouble. And that's a big part of why it says that Jesus looked at them and saw their faith. Faith in its simplest form is looking at Jesus and saying, he can help. Uh, He is what I need. Uh, But what Jesus does next throws everyone off. Instead of saying, paralytic, you are healed, 
which is what everybody expected him to do or was hoping he would do, he says instead, son, your sins are forgiven. And I can picture the man's friends from looking down in the hole in the roof and then hearing this and looking at each other and questioning, what did he say? And then looking down at Jesus and shouting, uh, no, his, his legs, look, look at his legs. He can't walk. We, we want you to help him walk. Now, that's why we're doing all this. And then the paralytic himself, what he might have been thinking at, at this moment as, as Jesus uh, declares his sins forgiven, but him wanting to be able to walk. Uh, there's a lot we don't know, but, but we do know that the religious leaders listening in We know what they're thinking because Jesus tells us. Uh, Why does this man talk like that, they ask? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, we don't really talk about blasphemy today, but back in that day, it was one of the biggest crimes you could commit. It was actually a capital offense in Israel, meaning if you were convicted of it, you could be sentenced to death. And it's actually the charge of blasphemy that will get Jesus nailed to a cross. Uh, and so it's a big deal. To blaspheme is really to speak against God in such a serious way that your sin is seen as a threat to the entire community. Uh, the basis for this charge against Jesus is that Jesus takes upon himself the authority to do something that only God can do. He takes upon himself the authority and the right and the power to forgive the sins of another something that really can only happen through worship at the temple and, and something that only God has said to have the power and the authority and the right to give to humanity. But here's, here's, what, forgive, because here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the restoration of a broken relationship. Forgiveness is not an end in itself. Forgiveness is not the goal. Sometimes uh, we treat it as an end in of itself, as the goal, but it's actually a means to something else. It is actually, forgiveness is a gateway to experiencing something much better. Forgiveness is really the breaking down of barriers in a relationship. It's the, it is the canceling out of wrongs done so that the wrongs no longer divide, so that there is healing and there is restoration between two parties. So when the, when the era of apartheid ended in South Africa, the, the nation as a whole was in need of healing because for decades, the, the minor white population had sustained uh, a very uh, complicated system of explicit and institutionalized segregation and racism called baskap, uh, meaning bossship or bosshood uh, by the whites. And the cost of, of these decades uh, was was great. And the country was really at a crossroads of how to move forward. And one way forward was the path of what you might call retributive justice. So simply trying to punish all the wrongs that were committed during this time as the pathway to healing. Uh, The other way forward was the path of restorative justice, trying to bring about reconciliation and healing, giving voice to those uh, hurt and who had suffered, and even giving amnesty or forgiveness to those who had done wrong, and working to really repair what was in ruins uh, personally and systemically. And the goal was 
that the healing of the land might happen through the restoration of relationships. The religious leaders here are picking up on something that others are not, and it's important. Jesus is saying something very scandalous about what he came to do. Basically, I have the the power or the authority to restore a relationship between you and God. I have the ability to break down the barriers that keep you from your God. I have the capability of being a bridge between you and God. In short, I have the authority to forgive sins, to cancel out wrongs. And I can do this because I am God. And that's what we're going to see unfolded in the the pages ahead. And, And Jesus knows it's easy to say the words, your sins are forgiven, Uh, And to help validate his power to do the unthinkable, he tells this paralytic to rise up and walk, and immediately he's healed. The, The Pharisees and religious leaders looking on and the scribes think that it's easy to say your sins are forgiven, but it's much harder to heal a man who is paralyzed. But Jesus helps them see that it's actually the reverse The forgiveness is actually the difficult part. And to show that he has the ability to do that, he heals this man right before their eyes. Uh, This paralytic, though though healed, he, he got something very different than he expected. As he's being dropped down from the roof, Uh, He's seeing his greatest need as being able to walk, that if I can just get close to Jesus and if he can fix this about me, then life will be better and life will be okay. And Jesus looks at him and sees something different. Uh, Most of us have had an x-ray at some point in our life and we get an x-ray because we can't see what's happening underneath our skin. We need something that can help us see below the surface because unless we address the deeper problem, we will not experience the healing That we really need. And this man comes before Jesus with a very real problem that everyone can see. Uh, But there is a deeper problem that we can't see, but that Jesus himself is able to see. And like a good doctor, Jesus is not just content with addressing what is going on on the surface. He, He goes to the heart. He has come to heal much more than broken bodies. He has come to heal a broken relationship between God and his people. And maybe we've heard this so much that it can feel like just a bad consolation prize when compared to the real difficulties we face. So we can say, yes, forgiveness is nice, but but I want a new job. I want to be married. I want to have kids. I want my friends to like me. I want my cancer to go away. Um, It's hard to believe it, but we're quickly approaching a year since our brother Brent passed away. And uh, I can't imagine how many prayers were offered up uh, pleading for his healing, for this cancer to be taken away, and it just didn't happen. And one of the passages we would talk about often, and it was one of his favorites, was 2 Corinthians uh, 4. Um, And he was drawn to it because it talked about not losing heart, about not giving up when everything seemed to be against you. And Paul says this, he says, therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
Uh, Our bodies being made well is not our highest good. Uh, Our need runs much deeper. And Brent knew that, and it made him love Jesus all the more because he saw the lengths that Jesus had gone to meet that need for him. Um, And Jesus does it in a way that costs him dearly. See, once again, we see the cost even in this passage. Jesus is being bombarded on all sides with needs. There's a busted up roof and he's accused uh, in front of all these people of one of the highest crimes in the land, having someone think that uh, you need to die so that your sin doesn't come back on the community. You're that much of a risk to the people. But the good news that we celebrate is so much different. That Jesus will die, but not to prevent his sins coming back on us, but so that our sins will come down on him. Mark 10, 45. For the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The old sacrificial system was incomplete. It couldn't take away the guilt of sin, but it could point forward to the one who would. This week, we, we all enter into the days ahead with so many needs and so many desires. Some are trivial and some are so real and so urgent. But as we, as we see these needs and as we experience these desires, my, my prayer is that below all those, we will be able to see a deeper need, and that we would hear these words with fresh power. Uh, Son, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Amen and amen.